Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so by visiting us online at BethesdaChurch.tv. Now, let's jump into the message. Morning, Bethesda Church. How's everybody doing? Oh, my. The rain got y'all sleepy, doesn't it? So good to see you in God's house today. Um, excited about what God has to say to us. Um, I've enjoyed preaching and teaching uh, this series and also uh, applying the principles that we've been learning in mind games. And uh, I want to say one more time, if you haven't um, caught all those messages, go back, check them out, get caught up. I believe it's one of the most important series that we've ever done here at Bethesda Church because we understand that as our mind goes, so goes our life, right? That our life is going to move in the direction of our mind. Um, Now, before I give you the title today, I want to ask real quick, how many people would consider themselves a multitasker? Like, where are my multitaskers? Come on, just wave at me. That's the people that can do uh, multiple things at the same time and get a lot done. Listen, I just want to say we honor you today. We celebrate you today. Uh, um, but I, I want to be real honest when it comes to, to multitasking. I, um, I can get a lot of things done in a day's time, but I have to go one thing at a time. Anybody feel me there? Like, I'm not doing 12 things at the same time. I'm doing one thing, right? Uh, And then I check it off, and I move to the next thing. Uh, And the reason I bring this up is because multitasking in the natural, I believe it produces incredible results. So when I said I honor you, I do honor you because from a natural standpoint, it's really cool to be able to do that. But when it comes to your faith, multitasking can be problematic. And I hope to explain what I'm talking about uh, with that statement today by calling this message becoming single-minded. Becoming single-minded. Now our key verse comes from Romans chapter 12. We've read it every single week. Some of you are probably tired of hearing Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, but I think it's important uh, to repeat. How many know that repetition when it comes to the word is extremely important? Uh, That's how we get the engrafted word, where the word becomes one with our thoughts. But it says in Romans 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so what we learn from this text is that there is a way for you and I to prove what the will of God is. Paul made it really simple. He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, um, holy and acceptable. And he says, that is, that is your reasonable service. So that's the first step. And then he goes on to tell us, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, and you can prove what the will of God is. And I love this because a lot of times we're missing out on the will of God and the one thing we need to do is simply renew our mind. Now to preface what I wanna say today, we wanna understand the truth. this truth today. Number one, you are three-dimensional. You are three-dimensional. You are spirit, soul, and body. 
This one revelation will literally change the way you view the Christian life. Just understanding you are, there are three components to who you are, spirit, soul, and body. I came from a church that believed that when you got saved, um, that at that point, you would no longer want to sin anymore. Anybody, were you raised like that or you grew up that if you got saved, you'd never want to sin again? Anybody taught that kind of thing? I'm the only one. All right. Um, but, but anyway, they taught that you, you wouldn't want to sin anymore, and I proved them wrong. Because <laughs> I genuinely got saved. But when, after I got saved, I still had desires that were not in alignment with the Word of God. I still had things that I did before I got saved that I wanted to do after I got saved. And so um, I struggled with this concept. Um, and, and so you, you may ask, well, Pastor, what did you do? I, I'll tell you what I did. I went and got saved again. And, and a few times, y'all go ahead and laugh. I got baptized again because I thought this time it's going to take. This time I'm going to get up from the altar. I won't have any more sinful desires. I won't have any more weaknesses. I won't struggle in my mind any longer. This time it's for real. But, but I learned that even after, it didn't matter if I got saved 27 times in a year, that even after I got saved, there were desires in me that were in um, opposition to the word of God. And, and so I had to learn something. And what I had to learn is that this, this thing called salvation has to be played out. So I want you to write this down. Salvation is a completed work, but must be walked out. Salvation is a completed work, but must be walked out. This is something you got to walk out. What does that mean? It means that salvation is a process. When you get saved, it is a completed work spiritually, a completed work uh, positionally. In other words, the moment you get saved, how many understand that moment you are ready for heaven? One person said, yeah. How many know the moment you get saved, you are ready for heaven, right? Positionally, spiritually speaking, you, you are, it's a completed work. Um, but we understand uh, spiritually it's complete, but as it relates to maturity, how many know I got to grow in that? I got to grow in that. And so you could take two people, for example, you could take one person who got saved 30 years ago and they've been coming to church, reading their Bible, praying, serving in the church, attending a small group. Uh, they've been doing that for 30 years. And then you take somebody who gets saved today. All right. So somebody's walked with Jesus 30 years and somebody who got saved today what we have to understand is that positionally, there is no difference, all right? Spiritually, there is no difference. They are both ready for heaven. Salvation is a completed work spiritually and physically. They are equally holy, all right? So whether you've served God 30 years or you got saved today, you are equally holy. It's a completed work spiritually and positionally because we don't live based on our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. But the difference between the two people, hopefully, is that the person that has been walking with Jesus 30 years, they are a lot more mature than the person who got saved today. And so the person that have walked with God for 30 years, they understand I have to walk out my salvation. But how many of you understand the person who got saved today, they don't even know that they need to walk out their salvation. 
like this. So that there's a difference in maturity. Salvation is a work that has to be walked out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want you to tell your neighbor real quick, work it out. All right? When it comes to salvation, you got to work this thing out. All right? There, there is a part that God plays, all right? Positionally and spiritually, God does that. But maturity is in your lap. Maturity is in your mind. All right? It, you got you to gotta cooperate with the work of God in your life, and you got to walk this thing out. So we are three-dimensional, and so let's break down what this means. It means, number one, my physical body gives me environmental consciousness. My body gives me uh, an awareness of my environment. Um, in other words, I can go outside and determine whether or not I need an umbrella. Today you needed one, amen? Uh, I can go outside and, and recognize whether or not I need a coat to put on because my body is aware to the environment. Now, this is where a lot of the people of God get a little goofy, get a little flaky, all right? They, they, they are hyper-spiritual, super-spiritual people sometimes, and they, they take something that our body is telling us, and they want to pray about it. It's like if you walk outside and it's 17 degrees, how many know, I'm not going out in a t-shirt, I'm going to grab a coat, and I don't have to pray about that, right? Uh, I, I don't have to pray about it. I, I don't have to, uh, if I'm standing in a street and a bus is coming, how many know, I would be foolish to pray, God, stop the bus, I should probably just move. My body is telling me that something is coming my direction, um, and I think a lot of times we get goofy because we, we don't recognize we have ears, we have eyes that, that are telling us what, what is about to happen. My body is uh, aware of my surroundings. And so a lot of times, it, it's kind of like the people who um, are sitting at a stoplight and it's like green. How many, you don't have to pray about going. It's green, sir. Could you please move? Right? I don't have to pray about that. My body is aware. I simply do what my body is telling me to do. My body gives me environmental consciousness. My soul gives me self-consciousness. Now, the soul, if you'll remember, the soul is talking about the mind. This is our intellect. This is our experiences. This is what we have been taught. All the things that we have gone through in our life, it's in our soulish realm, in the realm of our mind. And so my body is telling me about my environment. My soul or my mind is telling me about myself. But that third part, my spirit, gives me God consciousness. My body gives me environmental consciousness. My mind gives me self-consciousness. But my spirit gives me God consciousness. Now, this is important to understand because you didn't really have an awareness of this realm until you got saved. When you were not saved, you were kind of clueless as it relates to spiritual things. The Bible says that you were spiritually dead, but when you got saved, you were born again. 
you experience a new birth. So positionally, when we get saved, we're, we're good to go. We are ready for heaven. But some people mistakenly think that when we get saved, that all of our trouble ends. Now, I, you know, I, I've heard preachers say, come to Jesus and all your trouble will be over. Now, here's what I want to say. When you get saved, you have peace. You have joy. You are right with God. You are on your way to heaven. All those things are true. But on the other hand, I have to understand, when I get saved, I enter into new conflict, new trouble. Trouble that I didn't have until I got saved. And the trouble that I'm talking about is uh, what Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 describes to us. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So the Apostle Paul tells us that the flesh is in conflict with the spirit, and the spirit is in conflict with the, the flesh. And, and so we are saved, we come to Christ, we get saved. We are saved, yet we are conflicted. We are saved, yet there, there is uh, this conflict that we didn't have before because there is a war between the flesh and the spirit. We want a godly marriage, but we're, con we're, we're conflicted on the inside. We want to raise our kids in a way that honors God, yet we are conflicted inside. And, and we, maybe it's even an addiction that we want to release and let it go and let God have it, but we are conflicted on the inside. And the reason we are conflicted is because our flesh wants one thing and our spirit man wants another thing. And while the flesh and spirit battle it out, our mind is often caught in the middle saying, I'm losing it. The mind is caught in the middle struggling with this new conflict this new trouble that we have. And so we've learned in this series that Jesus brought us a kingdom that would be on the inside of us. And what Jesus was doing is, is how many believe that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you? Anybody believe that this morning? Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody believe the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you? This is important. This is important to really grab hold of because the intent of God was not just for the Holy Spirit to live in Jesus. The intent of God was that the Holy Spirit would live in you. That was the intent, all right? God ultimately wanted the Holy Spirit to take residence in your life. And so Jesus came and he removed what was preventing the Holy Spirit from coming into your life. Because we know the Holy Spirit and sin cannot exist in the same place. Why? Because this ghost is holy. How many know the Holy Ghost is holy? And so he doesn't cohabitate with sin. So Jesus came to deal with the sin so that the Holy Spirit could have a space in which to dwell. And so Jesus said, I've got to go away, but when I go away, I'm going to send you someone else. Talking about the Holy Spirit, and he will be your God. He will guide you into all truth. Those are the words of Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit would lead us into our future, but he would also enable us to walk out our salvation. See, one of the things we miss about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit helps you to live right. 
Man, I know where I'm going in a minute, and I want to just do it right now, but i got to wait. The Holy Spirit helps us to do the right thing, to say the right things. He helps us to walk out our salvation. And so the kingdom, the Holy Spirit, the anointing, these are words used interchangeably about the Holy Spirit living in you. That's ultimately what it means. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So the old you is dead. And I want to encourage some people today to get away from the people that keep trying to resurrect the old you. Some of you keep hanging out with people that remember who you used to be instead of speaking to who God has called. I'm tired of being around people that want to talk about all the mistakes I made. That's my past, baby. The old man is dead. I got to get hooked up with some people that, that are not stuck on who I was, but they can see where God has taken me. Anybody thankful that God has a future for you that is greater than what you came out of? Sometimes I got to get away from people that want to resurrect the old chat. My friends called me Dingus. Y'all gonna laugh. Some of my friends called me Dingus Khan. <laughs> but I remember what some of the things Dingus Khan did. And sometimes you get around certain people that want to resurrect who you used to be. And, and I'm telling you, it's not wrong for you to separate from people that keep one, they, they continually want to resurrect who you used to be and get hooked up with some people that, that are not speaking to your history, but they are speaking to your destiny. They are speaking to what God has called you to do, speaking to who God has called you to be. So Jesus, the same Holy Spirit in him now lives in us. And the Bible says in Colossians 3 that our life is hidden with Christ in God. So God hid who you really are, the real you. He hid it within your spirit. And that's why 1 John 2.20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. God put everything about your life and who you would become, he put it inside of your born-again spirit. All right? Now, the, the problem is, is that our spirit knows things that our mind doesn't. I, our spirit knows where our life is supposed to be heading but our mind oftentimes is unfruitful. It doesn't comprehend what God is doing in our lives. Um, and, and, and this is problematic because we are not as our spirit is. We are as we think. I mean, that's, if we were as our spirit is, we would always be riding high. Because spiritually, you're perfect. Positionally, you're perfect. The problem is getting our mind to think on the level of our position. Man, I, I'm telling you, this single-minded thing, I'm, I know where I'm headed. Many of you, the reason you're struggling in your faith and the reason, reason you're struggling to believe God in the face of adversity is because, spiritually speaking, you're trying to multitask, and what's happening is you're not getting anything done because to move mountains in the kingdom, I don't multitask. i got to be single-focused. i got to believe what God has said, not just everybody else's report, including the 
doctor's report if I want to be healed. How many know I can't be reading this, reading this, and reading this and operate in faith? At some point, I got to say, by his stripes, I am healed. I am single-minded. I'm becoming single-minded. I'll not be moved off of this. I'm not going to be talked out of this, but I'm going to stay the course until I see God do what he said he would do in his word. Go ahead and give him praise right there. Single-mindedness spiritually. I love this because you have destiny, you have purpose, you have all these cool things God has put in your spirit. Your spirit. The reason some of you are frustrated is because your spirit knows you've been called to greatness, but your mind is, is struggling with it. Some of you, if you could see for just a moment what God has tucked away in your spirit, you would tell your mind to sit down and shut up. You would tell your flesh to sit down and shut up. Oftentimes, because we have this great call in our spirit and our mind does not comprehend, it produces a frustration in our lives because our spirit came directly from God, but our mind came directly from the tree that Adam ate from. See, God, he has given us, he has hid our life and who we're supposed to be in our spirit, but Adam, he filled me with the knowledge of good and evil. And so this is the struggle. I arrive at the level of, of my thinking and my spirit is try, constantly trying to get my mind to think on a higher level. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to go verse by verse through this real quick. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse number 9, Paul said, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So God has already prepared a future for you. It's already done. When Jesus said, it is finished and ascended to the right hand of God, he didn't go into heaven and put on a tool belt and get to work on anything. The Bible says he sat down because it's finished. He didn't go back to work. When he said it is finished, it meant everything that you would ever be, everything that you would ever need has already been completed in Christ. Let me say it like this. Your future is waiting on you to discover it, not determine it. <laughs> Some of us, we're trying to determine our future. We don't have to determine it. We just have to discover it. God has already prepared my tomorrow. He has already prepared my future. 1 Corinthians 2.10, we'll continue reading. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So God has prepared my future. And then the Holy Spirit comes into my life. And he begins revealing my future to me. Another aspect of the conflict that we face is that Information. Everybody say information. Information comes from the outside in. It comes from the outside in. It's called learning. All right? And that's information. We, we learn through information coming from the outside in. We learn by watching, seeing, touching, uh, hearing. All of that is called learning. And so we are constantly collecting information. We're constantly learning but my future is not discovered through information. My future is discovered through revelation. I want to let that hit because a lot of us, we, we never move into our future because we're only collecting the data that we see. That is information. 
Information helps us to learn, but I don't live by information. I live by revelation. My future is discovered through revelation. Information is external. And this is where a lot of Christians live. Revelation is internal. Information's from the outside in, but revelation is from the inside out. That's why the Second Timothy 3, 7 says, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of truth. How in the world can you always learn and never arrive at the knowledge you need? I'll tell you, you're operating in information instead of revelation. You're you're operating from outside in instead of living from inside out. Information says, I am sick. Revelation says, by his stripes, I am healed. Information says, this is impossible. Revelation says, all things are possible to those that believe. Information says, my life is stuck and going nowhere. Revelation inside out says, breakthrough is on the way. Anybody ready to live from the inside out and by revelation, not just information. So we continue reading verses 11 and 12, same chapter. It says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the Holy Spirit has this ability to get inside of the mind of God to see what our future looks like. He finds out all that God has for me, but then he moves on the inside of me and begins to reveal to me everything that he has seen in the mind of the Father. The Holy Spirit knows everything about you. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He even knows what God has called you to. He says, Paul said, no one knows a man but his spirit. See, in his spirit, he knows all things. Now, here's the hard part. If I'm going to know what is going on in my spirit, if I'm going to know what the Holy Spirit has put on the inside of me, that means I have to be willing to shut off all the negative voices in my life. I gotta be willing to to tell the flesh to be quiet. I, sometimes I got to tell my mind to stop racing if, in order to hear, receive, and operate what the Holy Spirit has put in me. And so uh, here, here's where I was. I said, I, I'm going somewhere. I knew where I was going. And this is going to be tough, but I'm just going to go. Can I just go ahead and preach it? What if, if all that's true, if I got to shut off every other voice, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. What if you treated your relationship with the Holy Spirit like you do your cell phone? This is going to be tough because here's the truth about our cell phones. You don't leave the house without it. Matter of fact, if you leave the house without it, I don't care if you've driven eight miles, you turn around and you go back to get it. Every time you have a spare moment, you pick it up. 
Sometimes at work, if you leave it in your car at work, what do you do? You go back out to the car to get it. What if you treated the Holy Spirit like that? I will not leave the house without the Holy Spirit. I've got to get up in the morning and I've got to talk to the Holy Spirit. If I forget the Holy Spirit in my car and recognize I've got a bad attitude at work, I may have to go back out in my car and say, Holy Spirit, would you please show back up today and help me to handle this situation in a way that's appropriate today? Every time I get a spare moment, instead of screaming, rolling through my cell phone, what if I ask the Holy Spirit what your will is today? What are you saying to me today? What if we treated the Holy Spirit like we do a cell phone? Listen, some people say, well, pastor, I just don't know what the will of God is. Have you spoken to him lately? Had you, have you had a conversation with the Holy Spirit lately? Have you asked him? what he thinks about what's going on in your life. And people are like, no, pastor, I, I haven't really spoken to him, but I called Junior. The problem with Junior is, is that it hasn't entered into his heart. His eyes have not seen the will of God. His ears has not heard the will of God. It hasn't entered into Junior's heart, and Junior don't know what the Holy Spirit knows. If you would stop asking Junior and ask the Holy Spirit, you might know what your next step should be. I think we ought to take a praise break right there. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, show me. Why do we do that? Because... The will of God, he said, we just read it, it's revealed by his spirit. So I may chase the will of God out here all day long and never arrive at the will of God. But if I could ever get connected to the Holy Spirit, it will not come from out here and move inward. I'll know in my spirit what, what my next step is. I'll have a I'll, I'm not living by just information. I'm living by revelation. So he says in verses 13 and 14, he says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now verse 14, this is interesting. He says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So Paul is telling it, the natural man doesn't receive the will of God, doesn't receive the things of God. And, and this becomes frustrating to us because our, when we get saved, how many know your body's still speaking to you? Your body, you know, is just because you got saved, it doesn't mean your flesh is automatically, automatically going to shut up. The flesh will continue to speak. Your mind, the soul, will continue to speak. But now you have a third person speaking. You got the body, you got the mind, and when you get saved, guess what? Now the Holy Spirit's got, you got three, you got three things going on at the same time, all vying for your attention. And he says, but the natural man does not receive the things of God. This is why when you get saved, many of you, you've gotten saved but the truth is, you've tried to go back to your old life. You're trying to go back to the old life and serve God at the same time. The problem is, is that when you, when you lived that old life before, you had fun doing it. You were up in the club. 
and you were, you were having fun. I won't dance, all right? Why well, saying, please don't. Please don't. You were up in the club, and you were cool. You had a smile on your face. You were, you were just living it up. But now you got saved, and you try to float back in the club. And, and you're trying to have fun, but you're not. You know why? The Holy Spirit is now grieved. See, it isn't that a Christian can't go back to the old life. The problem is you can go back to it and try. But listen, if you're really saved, you know what's happening? While you're out there trying to have fun doing things that are in opposition to the will of God, the Holy Spirit's standing there like, are you done yet? So you you up in the club trying to get your old groove back on and the Holy Spirit's saying you ought to be in church giving me praise and dancing for me. And so you, 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 you got this conflict. Some of y'all want to act so holy. See, you're, you're, you were okay with those actions before, but now you're not okay. How many have ever had uh, the Holy Spirit show up in your life after you did something wrong and you knew, I have really grieved him? Come on, raise your hand. I have grieved the Holy Spirit. I know that I have. There, there have been moments when I thought, oh, no. I have grieved him. I have disappointed. How many of this is a relationship? The Holy Spirit is a person with feelings and emotions, the Bible tells us. And so we, we, gotta, we have to understand the match, natural man does not receive the things of God. And Paul said, because the things of God are foolish to the natural man. And, and I want to speak to the people that are so concerned with everybody's opinion. You are so concerned with ever, everybody's opinion that you can never discover the will of God for your life. Because a lot of times we, we're trying to get the nod or the approval of people that are not saved. And God just told us that the things of God are foolishness to natural people. In other words, if you got family members that don't know Jesus, when you start telling them what you're going to do with your new life in Christ, they may try to talk you out of what God has put on the inside of you. But you can't live in accordance with their opinion and their applause. I'm not living to please people. I'm living to please God because the things of God are not received by a natural man. And so it's going to look foolish to people around me. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. I've said this before, but it's been a few years. But I want you to get this. Living in step with God will at times take you out of step with people. See, you have to understand that when you get a word from God, you may look foolish to the natural person, to someone who is not saved, and sometimes Christians, instead of operating by the Spirit, let's be honest, they're not operating by the Spirit. They're still operating with their natural senses. Got one clap in the whole building right there. In other words, they may not be able to spiritually discern what God is doing in my life, even though they profess the same Christ that I profess. Even in the face of a bad report, I just want to ask, are you willing to look foolish? The whole point of this message is becoming single-minded. But if, but, but, but if we allow people who are not living and being led by the Spirit to talk us out of what God has put in us, we will miss, we're going to miss out on the will of God. 
That's why sometimes when you see somebody praising the Lord, when you have that attitude and you step back and you say, you know, it don't take all that. Well, maybe if you understood what God had brought them out of and the future that God has spoken to them, you would understand why they praise God with such exuberance. But the natural man does not get it. The natural man does not understand that. It's discerned spiritually. So verse 15 and 16, continuing out of 1 Corinthians 2, it says, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. In other words, you have to judge your own spirit. You gotta judge your own spirit. You judge whether or not you are pleasing to God. Listen, I don't need anybody to tell me when I'm not pleasing to God. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me and I already know that wasn't pleasing to the Lord. Now, sometimes we want to ignore the Holy Spirit and then we gotta, then God has to send, he's already given you the Holy Spirit, you're ignoring the Holy Spirit. What does God do then? He's gonna send a voice into your life to say, hey, you're not pleasing God right now. Anybody thankful for not only the Holy Spirit, but for the times God sent you a voice to say, hey, this isn't pleasing to God right now. You really want to make Christians mad? Just tell them they're not pleasing the Lord. People don't want to hear that, especially if they've been spending time ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I, you you got to be willing to look foolish to people sometimes to please God. It means that when I follow the Holy Spirit, I live from the inside out. And, and I have to remember my mind has the ability to maximize or minimize any experience that I, that I have gone through. How big it is, whatever it is that you're going through, how big it is, it's not about the situation. It's about how big is that in your head. How big is it in your mind? That's why the psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I can magnify the Lord or I can minimize the Lord. It's all depending on my mind. Some people say, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, while others say, Oh, magnify my problems with me. Some people say, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, while other people say, Oh, magnify my trouble. Some people say, Oh, magnify God's grace and God's healing in my life, while others say, Oh, magnify my bad experiences. I want to tell you today, it's all in your head. It's all in how you define it. Do you minimize what God is doing in your life, or do you maximize it? It's all in your head. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. i got a few more points I want to give you. Those of you that you feel like God has given you some goals, he's given you some dreams in your heart, um, I want to tell you that if you will focus your mind on what God has spoken to you, if you can focus, I said last week, your mind is like a drill bit. If you will focus your mind, eventually you will strike oil. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to, you can't allow people to talk you out of it. You can't allow circumstances to tell you otherwise. You have to become single-minded. And I'll, I'll, listen, I'm not the devil, okay? Y'all can laugh. 
I'm not the devil, but if I were your devil, I would not try to stop your purpose. I would simply try to distract you. At the end of the day, the devil can't stop anyone's purpose, but he can distract you from moving towards purpose. And somebody needs to know today, this is one of our points, the presence of doubt, confusion, and unbelief is proof of satanic activity. Now, I don't want you to hear that point through a negative lens. As a follower of Christ, when I'm in relationship with God and I'm following Jesus and the leading of the Holy Spirit, when doubt, unbelief, and confusion are creeping into my life, listen, it means that I have now attracted satanic activity and my future is just ahead. A lot of times, listen guys, when I've really heard from God, that's when doubt comes. When I've really heard from God, that's when unbelief tries to show up. When I've really heard from God, that's when confusion will try to sit in. Why? Because the devil knows I can't stop their purpose. I just got to make them double-minded. I got to get them away from being single-focused and standing on what God has told them. So I'll just distract them with a little doubt, a little confusion, a little unbelief. So Brother James comes along, and I love the book of James. You guys know that. James chapter 1, listen to what he says. He says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James is talking to individuals that get caught halfway between what God said and what they are seeing in the natural. I got a word from God, but here's what I'm looking at in the natural. James is talking to the people that get caught in the middle. They become double-minded. They're looking at the circumstances and at the same time, they're trying to believe God. James said, don't let that man expect to receive anything. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Listen, Jesus comes along. We're going to end with this. In Matthew 6, 22, this verse is so powerful. I want you to get this. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. James says a double-minded man won't receive anything. Jesus says if your eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. So God comes along, he says you're blessed, you're favored, you're anointed, you're the head and not the tail. I've got purpose and destiny for you. God speaks all these things over you. And you you hear the word, but then you go for a job interview and you're told no. So, So you're caught in the middle and now you're wavering. Well, God said all these things, but I didn't get the promotion or I I didn't get the job or whatever it is in your life. And now you're stuck in the middle. Jesus said, if thy eye be single, but James said, a double-minded man receives nothing. 
Listen, a double-minded person is a person that, is, that has a plan B. A double-minded person has a plan B. If, if God tells you something, but you have a plan B in your pocket in case God doesn't come through, then let that person expect not to receive anything because God is not a plan B God. God is a plan A God. When God speaks to you, you don't have to bring plan B in your pocket. In the spiritual realm, there is no plan B, which means that if God has already given you a plan A, there is no other plan. If God has already given you a directive, there is no other directive. If God has already given you a prophecy, you don't need another prophecy. If God has already spoken to you and given you a word, I don't need another word. He's already given me what I need. I just got to be single minded single focus come on church if you believe that today I can't let anybody talk me out of what God has put in me listen you want to talk about raising y'all stay on your feet you want to talk about raising dead people and laying hands on people with cancer and them being healed and and seeing relationships restored I'll tell you who it comes to it comes to people that are single minded there's a reason why when Jesus wanted to raise, you remember this, the story? I, this is not in my notes. I just, it just came to me. And, and the Bible says they were all crying over the death. I think it was a, a little boy or a little girl. I don't remember exactly. But, but they're all crying and there's a doubt. What did Jesus do? He kicked all their behinds out. You all wouldn't like Pastor Jesus. I'm telling you, he would offend the daylights out of you. He kicked their behinds out. He said, but why? Because I got to be single focused. There's a kingdom that I am bringing. And this little girl, this little boy, they're going to be raised back up to life. But I can't have all these people trying to create an atmosphere of double-mindedness. I got to be single focused in this moment. I know what my, my mission is. I know what I've been anointed to do. I know the kingdom that I am bringing. I got to get all that other stuff out so I can speak the word. Anybody ready to be single-minded in this next season? That whatever God has told you, you're going to stand on it. You will not waver. You will not doubt. You will not be confused. See, you don't have a faith problem. Everybody says, if I just had more, you don't have a faith problem. God has already given you enough faith to remove every mountain in your life. I don't have a faith problem. I have a focus problem. If I can become single-minded, single focus I can remove the mountains in my life some of you are good at multitasking in the natural keep at it keep doing it we love you we honor you but in the spiritual you may not be able to multitask you may have to become single-minded and say I will not be moved I will not be moved Give God one more praise this morning right there. I'm going to end right there. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. I want to speak to people in this room today that you would say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I'm not saved. I'm not positionally in right relationship with God, and I know that. 
If that is you today, I want, to, I want you to know Jesus came and he died specifically for you. He died specifically for you. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to leave this place knowing that you were saved, if that's you, would you throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. I need him to forgive me today. Anyone in-house at all? Anyone in-house at all? If you're watching online, we would love to pray with you as well. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've committed sins and I need a savior. I can't save myself. So Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to save me and to forgive me. Confess him as your Lord and savior and he will save you and he will begin to direct your, your steps and your path. He will show you the path that you need to take. We're gonna do one more song and let's just turn this place in, into a, a, an altar this morning. And, and whatever it is in your life you're believing God for, let's become single focused on that thing and know that God, he's faithful not only to tell us what we need, but how many know God is faithful to perform what we need, amen? Come on, one more time, give him a praise today. God bless you all. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda.